Hello and welcome to Delete Delete Engage, the podcast supercharging engagement at work with tips and insights from some of the world's finest communicators. Tom Kogodi heads up Lloyd's Banking Group's Work Lab and is one of the UK's most innovative thinkers on the subject of hybrid working and the future of work. I first came across Tom when he appeared on Bruce Daisley's brilliant podcast, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat, and I was really keen to meet him myself to chat about how comms and engagement needs to evolve to really thrive in the future workplace. Tom's work lab team includes over 600 super engaged employee volunteers from across the Lloyds Banking Group, and they run a test and learn approach to the big workplace challenges. For example, if people want to test their thinking around what remote working needs to look like for part of the organisation, or how teams can work in a more agile way, the work lab will help them to test it and learn from it. Tom lives in Devon and commutes to London for part of the week, so he's the living embodiment of hybrid working in action. But he doesn't believe that coming into the office for regular Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays is the way forward. And he explains why in our conversation. He also thinks that creating a sense of community and social connection is actually more important than collaboration when we get together for FaceTime with colleagues. Tom is infectiously enthusiastic and he buzzes with ideas and energy. And you should get a real sense of that when you listen to our conversation. Enjoy the podcast. Tom, pleased to meet you. Welcome to Delete, Delete, Engage. Pleasure to be here, Hugh. Thank you very much. Now, Tom, I've seen your role described as uh, work lab lead, uh, future of work expert, and I believe on Twitter you describe yourself as a professional troublemaker disrupting traditional ways of doing stuff through innovation. Can you explain what it is that you do and why it's so important to Lloyd's Banking Group right now? Yeah, look, so I've um, I've worked for Lloyds Banking Group for quite some time now. So I started back in 2009 um, as a cashier on the branch network down in Devon. Um, and, and I did a number of roles across the, the retail branch network in, in Lloyds Bank. And I'd always had this kind of... Um, view that we could do things a little bit better right and I've always there's always got to be a better way of improving something or doing something differently and I carried that with me throughout my kind of time in the branch network um, always sort of treating my branches when I was a branch manager as a, my sort of individual project where I could look at how I could improve the customer experience how I could look at doing different things to make it um, to get better outcomes for customers and that was kind of um, my first sort of foray into innovation and I started to get involved in some of the projects that were going on in other parts of the organization so um, I got involved in some work that the innovation team were doing to look at um, how we make innovation everyone's job and that's kind of where my kind of passion for work and the way that we work because I kind of experienced a couple of hackathons and I was like I like this way of working it feels different and it feels new it feels fresh and it feels pacey fast paced and energetic so I thought I I like this Um, and that led to me being in the innovation team looking after sort of our innovation and people innovation initiatives so how do we make innovation everyone's job how do we provide um, guidance for people to to innovate in their day-to-day roles and 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 give them the experience of what's going on in the external environment particularly when it comes to things like um, fintech and what fintech was doing and how digital disruption was was moving and then in uh, May last year or May 2021 I was I moved across into the people and places 
Manchester team, which is where I am now. So um, people in places, and a very sort of conscious decision was made over the last few months to rename that division from people in property to people in places, recognising that actually, you know, the place that we work can be anywhere. It's not necessarily the property that we own. Um, and actually, it needs to be a more holistic view of that as we go as we go forward. So within the people in places team, uh, and I joined at a really interesting time. So it was during the um, during the pandemic, uh, when we were sort of going through the process of managing our way through that pandemic. So restrictions were coming in, we had to adapt and respond, um, uh, and restrictions were, were, were going out. And, and towards the end of 2021 was the point when I had this idea for, for setting up this concept of a work lab. So the work lab is really about how do we test and learn for the future how do we help other parts of the organization to test their hypotheses and get really quick instant feedback from colleagues so it's a really useful engagement tool for people that are thinking about right i need to evolve what my proposition looks like whatever part of the organization that might be and i need to get this feedback to make sure i'm on the right track and test my thinking and that's what we've been we've been doing so we've run a couple of sessions so far so we only set up the lab in in january and um, we've run a couple of, of sessions around rem our remote working proposition what does that need to look like in the future speaking to colleagues around that um and then we also run around uh, a session around what our design standards need to look like in our offices going forward um and as a result of that we were able to do some some quite quick wins off the back of that which was really great so we realized at the time in um in march when we were starting to move to these new ways of working that we could um make it that connecting a little bit easier so we were able to sort of act really quickly on that feedback and then um, put something in place for, for colleagues and keep colleagues involved in that journey along the way so just going a step back in terms of the the kind of the structure of Lloyd's Banking Group uh you're how are you, how are you structured how are you, yeah so we're going through quite a, an interesting change at the moment yeah. um so we've had a new CEO that's come in Charlie yeah. Nunn's come in to Lloyd's Banking Group in August last year yeah um and we've there's a new strategy that's been been announced earlier this year yeah and um and we've sort of we're going, moving into a new structure um as of the last few weeks that's been happening um so it's a real a real time of change to, to and the kind of focus grow and uh, focus change are the sort of key pillars of our of, of our strategy um and our business units are being set up in that way as we speak with platforms to support them so um so we'll be looking at having five business business units that face out into customers and then these platform teams that will back that up and support but this is still early days um just sort of been announced and we're, it's being worked through as we speak so okay but the colleagues that are kind of taking part in the work lab with the test and learn process yep. they're representative of all of those units absolutely. however they're going to be structured right? absolutely and it's an opt-in process right so we started with zero colleagues at the beginning of the year we're up to 600 14 we've got about 60,000 colleagues but we've got 614 super engaged colleagues from right across the business who've just put their hand up to say they want to be involved um we, we're not sort of analyzing them and we didn't we, we really really um, are super keen that they, these weren't people that were volunteered or voluntold that they were going to be the work heroes is what we call them um but but people that really wanted to be part of the conversation and the ongoing dialogue so that was the kind of the key and we've seen that kind of level of engagement i guess the sort of if we put out a, a you know we use yammer as our key mechanism and we'll put out a um generally we because we use the microsoft 365 suite is, is generally the sort of the tools that we use so it's it's super easy to integrate those into sort of using teams for some of these sessions that we run we use yammer as the kind of key mate place as a community hub for these for these um, work heroes. Um, and we'll post something out to that community as an announcement through Yammer. We'll get 150 odd people that say, yeah, I want to be part of this conversation. But we also encourage that conversation to take place in the open on Yammer as well. So it's not behind closed doors and anyone can contribute in whichever method or channel they feel comfortable doing. 
Um, we offer one-to-ones as part of some of the processes as well, depending on the project and how long we're doing um, that piece of work for. We've actually got one open at the moment around agility and what does agility mean to people and this concept of um, flexible working and agile and, and having a flexible schedule. What, what are all the things that people are experiencing currently across the organisation? Um, because there's such a variance of, uh, right around, across the organisation of, of how people are experiencing that. How should we talk about it going forward? Do they have enough flexibility now? Or do they want more flexibility in the future? And uh, I've, I've heard you talk before, Tom, about the, the, the... We're talking about flexible working, about the fact that Lloyd's Banking Group is split between, I believe it's it's home, hub and hybrid. Is that right? Is that still the case? Yeah, so we've we we started the conversation um, around having yeah thinking about our work work styles and the styles of work that we do. So that was when we really started this work, and we went out across, which was I guess focused around that kind of the the old um, the previous sort of model, the business model, when we looked at it back at the beginning of twenty twenty one to to figure out what did these work styles sort of look like across the organisation. We had a we did some analysis across the organisation, and we figured out that actually there's about one percent of our colleagues that were home based, and then that was you know they were sort of remote or in the field um, and that was where they that they they did their work they didn't necessarily need to go into an office and we had 21 percent of our colleagues that were hub based what we would call so they had to be in one of our hubs either that's a branch or an office to do their job so either serving customers face to face or perhaps operational roles that meant that they were um, linked or needed to be in one of the buildings to com- to carry out that role and then we had this big swathe of colleagues that were 78 percent in that hybrid zone um, and that was where we it was almost um, you know varying different parts of the organization and varying different you know people in, in different circumstances so we we took an approach to say right you're in the hybrid work style effectively that means that there is flexibility within within that but we need to have these ways of working conversations to understand what that really looks like in terms of office use and in terms of the way that we work going forward. So we ask people to have these ways of working conversations, both on a one-to-one basis with their line manager and as a team as well. So how does the team work? And it was trying to find that sweet spot of um, what works for the business and, and uh, you know, customers effectively um, that, uh, that we're serving, what works for the business, what works for the team, and then what works for the the individual. So it's trying to get that balance and that sweet spot of what works for all three, and then that should helpfully determine what kind of um, sort of level of office use we have and how often we're together and working together co-located based on those on those needs. But you know, I, I've been very. Um, clear over the over recently uh, and if any of you see me on LinkedIn always talking this is an ongoing journey right we're not at an end state and it's and it's a continuous evolution and it's really important that we kind of have that test and learn mindset and I think we're at that point now where we're at that second phase of evolution um, where we will we'll be thinking again around sort of you know those work styles are do they remain right um, do we need to start to think think about it slightly differently? Are there different differences within some of those work styles? Um, you know, when we perhaps think about some of the types of, of roles that we do, you know, we've got knowledge workers and we think about the skills that we need in the future. What are the kind of key variances that sit within there and how do we plan for that to make sure that we can attract those, those skills and perhaps tailor that employee value proposition as we start to go forward? Um, yeah, it's a really interesting time, but I think we just have to make sure that we maintain that open mindset to this evolution of work rather than 
we've realized the future of work yeah and now you know the next future of work will be in years to come it's an ongoing journey an ongoing process and we need to make sure we're engaging people along that way yeah and you know you've mentioned a few times this um test and learn approach that you're taking with the lab i mean what are the highlights of what you've been testing and learning about and to what extent are the exec coming to you and saying okay how are you getting on with this particular area? You know, what are the hot topics at the moment? I think it's so we're going through a process at the moment where we're looking to understand because we, we asked test and learn to be done sort of the back end of last year to sort of almost understand what those variances were out in um, out in the workforce. And I think at the moment we're now going we're going back around the loop to understand sort of how's it gone so far and having that kind of bit of retrospective time across the organization to look at what what are the kind of things that we more that we need to kind of think about um about what how when and where we work i think there's that concept the skills is a is a big topic at the moment um and the kind of skills that we need for the future um but i think it will all the kind of the hottest topic i think at the moment is this kind of concept of principles and what are the principles and what's the kind of organization we want to be both externally what's our message externally what does it feel like to work for lloyd's banking group um and that's where we're kind of trying to work through through those stages at the moment um various other sort of um items that like i said we've, we've had a, we've been looking at this kind of remote working concept um how we utilize our office space is another one so this kind of um you know what is it that we do how how do the offices need to look like in the future is another really big topic for us at the moment which i think is something that we're um you know there's an opportunity now to, to try to reshape the way that we do work when we are together in offices and how many offices do you do you have so um we're spread across the country across the uk so it's a uk focused um uk focused bank so um we we are we're across the the uk and i guess we've got our key hubs that we've got are in um edinburgh bristol a number of sites in london we've got a site in birmingham um we are in leeds halifax as obviously halifax being one of our brands we've got a real and we've sort of really invested in in halifax over the next few years is going to be one of our um a big sort of flagship buildings we've got big we've got an operations center in belfast um we've got uh, offices in cardiff as well um so we're dotted right across the uk and i guess it's that's there but we've also started to test other models as well right so one of the things we've got we've got obviously um our brands on the high street uh a lloyd's bank halifax and bank of scotland so um we've got a, a significant branch network one of the broadest in, in the uk right so it's how do we help people feel connected even when they might not be going into a, a, a home like uh, into commuting into an office anymore but they want to have that connection to the organization so we're testing at the moment some branch community offices as well so these are our offices that we've got a few on the go at the moment where we're looking to embed all the kind of technology you would expect to see in a in a, it's called a flagship uh, future of the work future of work office above a branch in somewhere where it's sort of we haven't got a presence so we're looking at um how do we how do we do that so we've got one in brighton for example which is um is kitted out with the microsoft teams room kit colleagues can go and use it and work from there they can book a desk in there they've got meeting rooms that colleagues can use in there as well um but it's available for anybody to book but there's a branch underneath it as well so there's that kind of how do you build that connection with colleagues that are in the branch network which is something that starting in the branch network i'm particularly interested in um and i think it's really important because as now we've started to see there's those career pathways open up for colleagues how do we encourage that cross-organizational 
um, experience for colleagues where, you know, I'm a, a head office worker, if you like, a knowledge worker. And how do I have the opportunity to interact with branch colleagues and tell them some of the stuff that I'm working on? And or they might want to have a chat about their development and thinking that they might want to look at other roles because now we're in much more flexible environment. There's an opportunity for skills transfer and it's opened up many more opportunities for us to mobilise talent as it comes through the organisation. And importantly, with branch colleagues as well, they've got that frontline customer experience. So it's how we can continue to bring that up through. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a word that you mentioned a few times um, <laughs> just now, which was connectivity mm-hmm. um and i think i've you know having read some of your pieces and heard some of your your previous podcasts and, and conversations i know that you think connectivity is really really important um i mean traditionally so for example one of the things that we look at here is whether or not when we're working remotely we're losing creativity and collaboration right and i think a lot of businesses have been focusing on those areas are we are we missing out on creative cre- creativity and collaboration opportunities i think you've said actually connectivity is really really crucial and why is that and what are you doing to kind of enable that yeah so i think um we started a dialogue right around collaboration and i think that's where you know we said we go to offices to collaborate which then sort of insinuates that we didn't collaborate for two years which i don't believe is true right and you've got microsoft teams as a collaboration tool itself so i think that was a myth but we we started to try and find a purpose to go back into offices and we said it's to collaborate um, collaboration is something that we do do in our offices but I think the most important thing is that sense of community and connection and if you get those two things right then the collaboration is a byproduct of those two things right so that actually the things that we miss the most and we ask colleagues about this as well so it was the things that they missed the most the things are that sense of you know connecting with other people human interaction which we we missed out on for so long those are the parts that people have missed the most so um so it's how do we start to think more around um I guess probably it's what activities are best done in the office and what activities are best done at home. So, and you know, there might be different types of, of, of things when it comes to this. And I've been trying to think about this and kind of unbox this over the last few weeks because I think it's really important to look at like, there's some meetings that perhaps are better done virtually or done using Zoom and Teams or, or whatever. What sort of meetings would those be? So, so I would say things like um, like committee meetings that you have to, you, you know, where you, you're going through sort of slide heavy meetings, that kind of stuff where actually it's, you go, go around a decision, you've got the, the mechanism to, you know, you could, you could record things, take minutes, transcript, do all that stuff because the technology helps you to do that, right? So I think those kind of meetings potentially... Um, uh, a better done in a in a virtual way i think then when it comes to things like uh, project kickoffs right project kickoff sessions new teams forming together you know that that kind of um that that kind of experience experiential kind of thing where you come where you come together and you you know it's a it's those kind of connections or, or even personal sort of one-to-one environments are things that are kind of can switch between the two so actually you can do it virtually but there's benefit in coming together because you might want to go for a drink afterwards right so it's like how do you sort of I, th- I believe that you can so virtual relationships so is virtual virtual is really good right for maintaining relationships but i think deepening relationships is what happens when you come together in person and i'm starting to feel that more and more and what that for me that looks like I, so i live in devon right i moved out of london in um november 2020 i come up here and i package a few things going on over the course of a couple of days and i'll make sure that time is really well spent and really structured um and then i'll head back down to plymouth on so i'll go back on friday 
And that really charges me up with energy to be sort of at home for the next week, getting on with some deep work. So it's just how that you structure the different types of activity um, that sort of best served either in the office or or remote. And it's trying to get that balance right. Um, and it's it's a tricky one. And that's where that test and learn comes in, because you've got to find out what works for you, what works for your teams, because it could be that different meetings that might seem like they're done better virtually for your team could be better done in person so it's quite it's getting those kind of the having that's why i think those guidelines are really important right so if you've got guidelines around this is perhaps the kind of meetings you might want to try at home these are the ones you might find work better when we're together test it and see what you think and it might be that you come out on a slightly different part of the scale and that's cool but we need to have the offices set up for those particular types of meetings so is that and that's when that changing of space and the concept of space needs to change um, well, actually, it's probably more focused on the activity rather than heads down working on a desk um, in those sort of a task. So almost that kind of task at home, I think. This is where I'm sort of getting to this focused task stuff at home and heads up activity together, better together. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of businesses have been um, trialling the kind of the weekday approach to working, haven't they? You know, the this, the acronym for Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. And that's pretty much what we've been doing here, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't believe you think that is, and, and you've alluded to that in what you've just been talking about. That's probably not the right way to do it, right? You need to look at tasks and outputs and outcomes rather than actually going for a day of the week. Definitely. And I think the outcomes part is super um, important. So it's actually, you know, and that's how you're then able, if you focus on the outcomes, you're then able to start to build in the flexibility because you can start to say, right, well, this is what I need to achieve. How am I going to achieve it? And then that's the sort of the conversation that we would have with each with ourselves around sort of like, right, this is how I'm going to get this done this week and focus on, on that. I think it's really unhelpful to tether to days per week um, and more sort of focus more on right, that percentage of time over a certain period right so that's uh, that period could be a month could be a quarter could be a year right focus on that sort of percentage of time that you spend together and what you do when you are together so that kind of purpose and percentage of time because tethering to a day per week you know I'm for example I'm here three days this this week I'll be at home fully at home next week well, no, I think I'm, there's more activity. So I might end up with what could be sort of two or three days per week in an office over this month. But then next month I might be at home all month. So it's, you know, it's actually thinking around that activity and then just sense checking. Does that feel right? Um, rather than having this kind of tether of having to go in on this day and you you know you're not really sure the purpose you just then slip back into that kind of rhythm and what it makes you do i believe is it makes you really um be really critical about your diary and think about what are the things that i'm doing and what why am i doing them and how can i be more efficient in the way that i do that and to ensure that i'm getting this outcome achieved so setting that outcome at the beginning of the week it starts to help you have more of those kind of conversations or um validations with yourself as well and your teams um, now, one of the one of the most frustrating experiences I think that we're all going through at the moment is these these meetings where you've got kind of half people in the office and half people out of the office, and the technology is not quite working for you. Right? We had one. I've had one this week. Um, it's one of the things that, that that companies that I talk to ask me most is how do we make hybrid events work? Yeah. Right. When you've got this split, um, is that something you've been testing and learning um, about? 
Yeah, so uh, uh, funny enough, I actually ran one of these yesterday. So it was a workshop which we used Microsoft Teams, and there was four of us in the room, and I think there's about five or six of us that were virtual on the Microsoft Teams. So we had a Microsoft Teams room. I'm a massive whiteboarder, so I was like, there's a whiteboard in this room, I'm going to be drawing all over it. And then we had the conversation. So, it, And actually, we were chatting about it just um, after the meeting yesterday. It, it kind of worked quite well in the way that we had this kind of the key areas of focus and that we we kept an eye on the hands but it is quite a cognitive drain because you you've got quite a lot to focus on mm. <laughs> so you're thinking constantly right am i keeping an eye on the people that are mm. outside what's the experience like for them um sense checking that experience sense checking the experience in the room capturing the the outputs as well so it's a lot more that you've got to do in that sort of hybrid experience so i think again it's that kind of it's a test and learn i think there's also the concept you need to be super aware. You need to be able to facilitate. Yeah. Right. The facilitation is key in those kind of meetings because, mm. and I guess it's that agreed etiquette. So I'm, and now I'm starting to get to the point where I, um, I think it's probably helpful because you don't necessarily know who the people you're going to be working with on this particular, on, on a virtual meeting. Right. And everyone's got different kind of etiquette standards. So I'm wondering if now thinking about it literally on the spot right here, I'm wondering, is there some kind of upfront meeting etiquette that is sort of, baked into every meeting that you that people do at the beginning it's just sort of a, the housekeeping that you would tend to have when you're at a face-to-face event yeah. like exits are here here and here yeah like the etiquette for this meeting this is the way that we work like hands up um or if you've got a burning question i've heard someone use the fire emoji for just to demonstrate i've got a burning sort of like a point to add on this particular point mm. um how do you use that effectively maybe that's something that, that can be thought about but i think it's definitely around etiquette Mm. And being upfront about that etiquette and inclusive, because mm. there's that risk of you know that kind of loudest person in the room situation taking place yeah. virtually. There's much as much risk of that being virtual as well as it being um, in person. Mm. And you know if it, you know hands up and people just go off and and speak and and then it's you know people have had their hands up for a long time. So I and I do find it's really important to sort of you know if you recognise um, even just recognising. Look, somebody. When I, I say I'm facilitating yesterday, I've seen someone. I know they've been waiting for a while. The conversation has gone. There's been a, a, other other points that have been made in the room. I just say, look, thank you for waiting. Really appreciate you. you've had your hand up for a little while. And I think even just that goes a long way to making people feel included and actually that they are, you know, not a second uh, second class citizen in this kind of in this environment. Yeah, it's hard though to avoid that feeling. I mean, just from personal experience this week, I've facilitated an internal workshop. And um, I tried to facilitate it in such a way that I was including the people that were dialing in online. And we thought about all of the, the ways of doing that and making them feel part of the discussion. But the, the, the discussion naturally gravitated towards the people in the room. And, you know, the CEO was in the room. And maybe that's, you know, you mentioned like the, you know, the, the loudest voice or sometimes it's the, the most senior voice. It's quite hard to avoid that happening. Right. Yeah. Isn't it? And even if the technology is working those 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 discussions naturally gravitate towards the room itself yeah so how do we how do we make sure that we're not doing that is that simply about being really really tough with the facilitation mm-hmm. and consi- you know consistently going at back to those people darling yeah. in and i wonder if it is that's not like like contracting up front like yeah. this is how we are going to do this or this is how we do meetings in, in here like yeah. um and having that that conversation but it is a, it's like a, it is a tricky one mm. and it's yeah it's how you make sure that you're uh, and one of the things we found that which i've sort of learned from doing this work lab process is like use use the chat function 
because it's a it's a really neat way of being inclusive to everybody that might you know find it difficult to speak up or prefer to reflect and then put their thoughts into words so i would say use the chat function live really want to hear your voice and really want to have the conversation with you but please use the chat function as well if you feel that that's a better way for you to share your point and um, we'll take all of that insight out afterwards and then um and, and we'll also address those comments that come through the chat during that live as well so it's another way another mechanism of keeping people engaged in the conversation through their their channel of choice so if they want to sort of share their points in the chat they can they can do that um and i think that's you know that kind of de- democratizing again it makes it more open for people to share more people are more willing to share um through that mechanism than they can but also what that means is you've got their thoughts like you know i'm trying to write down all these notes on the whiteboard um and that, this was the thing i noticed yesterday because it's one of the first ones i've done of this this particular workshop in a hybrid way so i'm writing everything on the whiteboard and i'm like right i've got to leave this meeting room in five minutes so quickly snapshot the whiteboard take that and then type it up whereas if i was running them virtually which i have been now i'll be typing as i go and drawing on my little pad and then i'll add those kind of things into it but um if you get people to use the chat it's super useful because you can just take copy and paste those across and then you've got all the insight that they've shared across so everything is captured Mm. and they're writing it for you (laughs) so they're writing up your notes at the same time but also they're feeling engaged it's a win-win for everybody you can see this being facilitation. You can see this being kind of one of these new CV skills that you need to be kind of adept at, right? Uh, it's, and you can see how important it is because if, you, if you're good at that, if you're good at helping people stay inclu- feel included, that's such a, a great asset to have. So maybe we should be looking at training that kind of skill up. Yeah, like 100%. I think it's it can really change the dynamic of the experience having a, someone that facilitates. And, and it, to be honest, facilitation is one of the things I missed the most over the last couple of years because mm. I used to facilitate a lot of workshops, a lot of sessions, um, and it's something I really enjoy. And it's kind of that kind of... I did, I did a bit of training for a little while and that was that kind of... But actually trying to facilitate sessions in a virtual world is all... And having that like test and learn mindset when you're doing it and thinking, right, you know, this is... is I'll open everything up, but I do. So yes, I'm like, this is a test and learn for us, right? Because we're going to do in the first one of these types of workshops virtually. Want to get your feedback, see how it went. We're all learning together. Um, and it's just a good opportunity for people that want to try that in a different way. And also it opens up that you can facilitate from your, your home. Whereas you used to have to sort of pack your little bag with your post-it notes and your and your stickies, like and and go off and 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 do it in person. But now you can facilitate using the technology that you've got. So I, and I always say, right, if you if there's well, the reason we want this technology, like we're in, this is like the what the slowest it's ever going to be in our lifetime, right, in terms of the technological advancements we're about to see. So why not let's use that technology to make us more human? Like, let's enhance our human skills so that kind of connecting with people, how can we use technology as an enabler to do that rather than be concerned about the technology taking our jobs? How can it enhance the things that make us human? Some of those things are that kind of facilitation and that kind of building connections and trying to connect with people. Um, and technology can help us to do that. So how can we use those tools? And I can be a facilitator from anywhere. But also, it's like, it's the same thing. You, you don't want to be facilitate. You've you got to think about the kind of dynamic of what that meeting looks like as a, as a whole, like the holistic experience. So, you know, a three-hour facilitated session on virtually is not going to work. But if you're doing... So that's why the sessions that I run are 30 minutes, short, sharp, hmm. energetic. Yeah. And then you can really quickly, almost like a shot of espresso, you're like going through rapid ideation. Come on, give me more of your ideas. Keep going. Switch to the next question. Come on, let's go. Pace, pace, pace. And then people come off the call, they're like, oh. Yeah. 
and then have to go for a little walk and yeah. it's like oh i feel really energized yeah. from that so it's like short sharp interventions rather than sort of trying to drag out a, f- a four-hour meeting yeah for Sizek because that is the worst yeah, and you know, lots of businesses are, are rethinking, for example, leadership conferences, right? Where yeah. you gather five or six hundred senior leaders in a room, or you fly them to a, a country or take them to a city. Um, and now they're thinking, actually, do we need to do it that anymore? It's it's not great for the environment. It's costly, and actually, are they that effective? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think that's a big question for a lot of businesses right now: is do we need to do those? Mm-hmm. And if we are going to do them, should how how should we do them? And I guess what you're saying is do them, but keep them shorter and sharper and more to the point. Do them short and sharper virtually, mm-hmm. but I do still think there's massive value in coming together, like mm-hmm. on a infrequent basis, to because it's all the stuff that comes around that, right? It's all the socialising and the networking that comes as a result of that kind of, which is really difficult to do in a virtual and just awkward when you're doing virtual. The connectivity that you were talking about. The connectivity, the sense of human connection. And I was at Web Summit in in Lisbon a few years ago. That's where I was. And they they said, you know, um, they had Web Summit and then they had Night Summit. And Night Summit was almost, they open up, they take over bars and they take over sort of restaurants and then they have networking events that go on. And they say the deals get done at Night Summit. Like that's when the deals get done. So it's the fringe activity around the around the kind of core get-togethers. So, And it's thinking about those kind of get-togethers that, you know, if you're bringing together people, um, bringing them together for a purpose, but that purpose doesn't necessarily need to be work, 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 work all the time. It could be that you have a short meeting and then you do some team bonding sessions or you go out for team um, team experiences together that, that can help grow that sense of connection. So it's just rethinking sort of how we do those kind of activities and putting just as much importance of that activities that we can't do when we're virtually or that don't work as effectively virtually. How do we give more focus on those when we're together? So it could be that you only do two hours or three hours of talking business strategy because you can do a lot of it in the run-up. And with some of the, you know, can you share things beforehand and that kind of reading to really to give people that kind of opportunity to soak up and then think about stuff and then come and have a really focused two hour face to face workshop. And then you go off and you have, uh, you know, you go to an escape room or you do sort of a team activity. Um, and then that's that kind of connection part. So it's it's how we can sort of place just as much importance of the human connection, socializing and generating social capital as that kind of focused work element as well yeah that's really interesting um i i I often when i'm running a workshop i often give people the pre-read beforehand so they can hit the ground running when in the workshop um but that's really interesting that that what you're saying there about actually you can use that time to do social things it doesn't have to be purely about taking the strategy onwards but that that's clearly an important part of getting together but it's not always the only reason to get together yeah and it could be that you know you talk you talk about the strategy and then actually how do you then link that to us as a team yeah and then it's kind of so everything is linked together and it but it's just that kind of that level of focus and I, I think it's you know that ability to have this kind of um asynchronous model of work where we can use tools like microsoft teams um we can set up sort of groups you can always set up your groups of people virtually before so you could have these sort of core tables even that you're going to be putting people in on the day getting them together working on on topics beforehand virtually you could do that 
um, you could think about how you um, how they're starting to build relationships virtually and then they deepen them when they come together and then they already feel like a team even though they may have not actually met each other so there's there's various things you can do and I think that kind of pre-work thing um, really comes into it and what I like to do as well is think about the kind of pre-work in, in some different ways so people can absorb people who choose to absorb information in different ways so I'm a massive podcast listener right I listen to loads of podcasts um, as you'll be pleased to hear you know, <laughs> um, but so I recommend podcasts to people I'll be like right I've heard this I've heard that well, how is this relevant okay so here's some things perhaps read this is some of the stuff we've done before this is some of the interesting insights that we've found from from various places that, we, that we've we've seen um, uh, and here's a couple of podcasts that are also really relevant so have a listen to those not mandatory listening or reading but really recommended so that we can get the best out of this hour long that we've got together or this half an hour we've got together um, which is what I've been doing in the workshops I mentioned yesterday and actually people then it gets people thinking before so they're already thinking and then reflecting and then they're coming with some views that are already formed so it's starting to be a bit more efficient in that kind of use of time in the run-up rather than trying to solve everything over an hour to set the scene and, and solve the problem come out with the outcomes in the hour you can really have a rich discussion around the thoughts that they've had, the reflections that they've had on it and what it means for them, what it means for their business area. So um, I think you can be really sort of smart with utilising those tools to make sure that you can have the, the most valuable conversation of that time when you are together, be that virtual or face-to-face. Thank you, um, Tom. Now, just on the subject of podcasts, you know, thank you for that segue because um, it's quite a, a good link to my next question. So this podcast is... It addresses the challenge that 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 quite a lot of comms uh, is is deleted at the moment. I think that's increased during you know since the pandemic and, and as we've moved into the hybrid world. Um, so digital overload, I think, has been a bit of a challenge for people. You know, they're receiving more maybe more emails than they ever have, more IMs than they ever have. They're getting more invitations to more Zoom and Teams calls than they ever have. There's loads of benefits of the hybrid workplace but digital overload might be one of the negative aspects um how can we in your view and and is that something you've looked at how can we start to kind of manage that in terms of the way we communicate to people without overloading them with with digital messages i think it's how you make sure that um so i personally i like a short sharp like what is it why should i be interested and perhaps a little video that gives mm. me that kind of 30 second one um and it's almost i think it's catering for the right channel as well that people want to sort of consume that in um so i use linkedin a lot and it's a, it's a really tricky one because everybody has different different types of sort of i think it's having that ability to personalize the communication you're receiving which i'm not sure how to how you how you do that and it's a lot of work for something that could still be deleted right <laughs> but if you're able to say like right how do you want this and it's almost across the top you've got like the 30 second video or like the detailed explanation but or, or the, the the short sharp explanation and i can sort of select what that one what what that would be for me that would be uh yeah because then it's almost like if i like the short sharp explanation mm. i might then watch the video and then I might read the whole thing. Mm. So it's almost giving me the opportunity to find out if it's something that I mean I, I want to be sort of mm. I want to be receiving and I want to be reading. Mm. Um, the videos are one for me. Videos and podcasts is is, is one of the way that I sort of tend to consume stuff. But... And you'll consume it when you have some quiet time, or would you consume it, consume it there and then if it was relevant enough? So bit of both depends. If it, if it's relevant enough, I probably would 
go straight into it. But it has to be super relevant for me to go straight into it. So if it's something that I'm working on right now, mm. I'll be like, I need to. This is like this is part of the work now. I need to yeah. do this. Um, but ten, I tend to listen to podcasts when I'm sort of in transit and sort of walking somewhere, yeah. or um, yeah, or in the evenings when I'm sort of trying to get off to sleep. I mm. tend to do that. Okay. Which, is, which is a bit tricky because then you end up sort of like, oh, I've got an idea. So I'm like, <laughs> I have to get my phone back out again and put it in my little notes. So that's I'm sort of building up my notes. But yeah, um, but yeah, I think it's just being able to personalize that that communication and make it easy to consume. Okay, thank you. Um, now, according to the State of the Workplace, Gallup State of the Workplace 2022 report, we're in the midst of something of a kind of a burnout epidemic. I think they've cited poor comms is is one of the factors. Poor line management is another one, or you know the, the the inability of managers to keep their teams connected. Is that something that you're experiencing at Lloyd's Banking Group? And uh, if so, you know what are you? How are you looking to attest and learn and address that? Yeah. So again, it's kind of this um, phase that we are likely to 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 see. I, I think across not just our organisation, but across the whole. Um, the whole the whole of the sort of global workforce now i think we're getting to that point where you know we've been managing out of a out of a crisis right so i think that it's it's often it's easy to innovate and adapt and change and be like right we've got to do this we've got to do this we're now trying to sort of figure out what normal looks like and what this kind of new sort of um way of working and try and embed some of that um and i think when it comes to um when it comes to burnout, the population I'm particularly so uh, the population I'm particularly concerned about when it comes to burnout now is our line managers, um, because we've asked so much of them over the last couple of years. You know, they've been they've been the ones that we've you know we've really sort of relied on um, on line managers. But also, you have to remember, line managers are going through this experience at the same time themselves. So they've got to manage it for themselves. They've got teams that they've got to try and support. Um, and I think it's uh, it's a big ask to do that, and then actually that is getting to that point now where that could all be coming to a head potentially. So I think it's really um, it's a population we need to we need to really support, make sure we've got we're giving them the right tools and and speaking and listening to them around what is it that they need to sort of get get into this kind of next period of evolution of work. Um, but also it's kind of. Um, you know, I think there's also some challenges out there with, you know, again, sort of speaking sort of globally as well. Like we've got a lot of line managers that didn't necessarily want to be line managers, like, but they just became that because that was the the route, you know, that you go down. So, you know, I think it's that concept of leadership is going to be so important and that kind of empathetic leaders of the future is something that I think is going to be super, super important to be able to sort of connect particularly when you can't um you haven't got the, the ability to have your team sort of visually around you all the time that ability to sort of connect and ask questions on a human level is going to be important um and i wonder if um the varying levels of experience that colleagues will have it, you know will link back to the biases that their line managers hold around their views around working and the and work and trust um and and where they should be working and and you know thinking about some people that are you know we've got we're at the point when we've got five different generations in the workforce right now which is the first time that's ever happened um and i think it's how we make sure that we're able to sort of offer suites a a suite of activity a suite of different ways of working that work for those different populations um which is a challenge so when you think about some of the traditionalists that are in probably quite executive positions You know, they've made very successful careers. Thank you very much. Based on the old principles of work. Yeah, why change? Exactly. Yeah. And, and actually that that thought process, well, it's worked for however many years. 
So we'll just go back to that way of working. The problem that I find and I believe with that is it's delaying the inevitable because as soon as that exit of the um, of the workforce sort of takes place and people start to move on and sort of exit the workforce, you've got people that have experienced and tasted this kind of new flexible way of working and we'll just bring it back. Mm. So we're delaying innovation. We're delaying progress by winding back to old work. So we, what we need to do is shape new work that works for everybody. Yeah, because the I guess the traditionalist uh, view was generally if you're not in, you're not working, right? And um, we I guess we've moved more towards we've moved more from output to outcome, haven't we? You know, and and maybe during the pandemic we realised those that were adding real value, even though they might not have been the first in and the last out. Yeah, uh, and and I think that that mindset really has to change, doesn't it? Definitely, and you know it's something that's been proved now. So yeah. we proved. And what's been really interesting over the last couple of days in these sessions that I mentioned earlier, where we've been speaking to different parts of the organisation around um, around principles, was a lot of people are starting to realise that some of the the hypotheses they had around productivity and where where you are productive, you know, they were they weren't necessarily materialising right. So they weren't seeing some of the, these um, these changes in productivity that they perhaps thought. So almost thought, well, you know, be less productive. And there was a one part of the organization they said they've actually done a time time emotion study and actually it absolutely makes no difference where you are in terms of the productivity which i thought was super interesting mm-hmm. so it's like you know we, we the it's great to start to see and this is what's great about seeing this test and learn mindset where we sort of started off with this kind of um test and learn um activity last year um, where we asked people to go off and do their own test and learns in different parts of the business to see how they sort of what they what what works for them in terms of office use and we've started to see that mindset continue where actually people, different parts of the organization are testing these things and they're saying actually you know we're quite comfortable that that isn't the case so you know that opens a lot more doors to us in terms of flexibility we've proved we've disproved the fact that we thought you could only be productive in an office so no you know we've got the data to back that up so now we can make decisions about where we go next and what we need to do and how our workforce needs to shape that then unlocks opportunities when it comes to skills and recruitment because it means that perhaps that you know i can i can um, enable a particular part of my workforce to be um, to be virtual you know and, and actually that opens up unlocks talent pools you know right across across wherever I want to look so um, so it's really interesting to start to see some of that stuff materialize now where actually the um, people have had the opportunity to, to prove it and show that flexibility works there's no impact on productivity so how do we then move on from that now we know well now we've got rid of our kind of concerns around it um, we've seen the value what's that what's that next step Great stuff. Tom, absolutely fascinating. I I mean, it's such a timely topic at the moment. And I suspect if we had this conversation again in six months time, your thinking on the subject might have totally changed, right? Yeah, totally different. And, you know, it's it's my thinking continues to change on this on on a regular basis, depending on what I see. Absolutely. Well, Tom, Really, really enjoyed that. Thank you so much. Now, one final thing before we finish. Um, I ask each of my podcast guests to answer six quickfire comms-related questions. Uh, and the one piece of advice uh, is just to be instinctive. Don't think too much about it. So you ready for that, Tom? Ready for it. Let's go. Good stuff. Sum up your communication style in three words. Energetic, fun, and um, people-focused. Of all the comms you receive, roughly what percentage do you delete without reading? 60. What was the last message that landed in your inbox that really grabs your attention? 
So for me, there is um, a newsletter I received from Corporate Rebels. So I'm a bit of a rebel myself. So, um, and they're always, every single one is slightly provocative in its title, um, but it's really relevant to, to right now. Um, it's always something relevant to what's going on right now in the, in the world of work. So yeah, anything from Corporate Rebels. In your opinion, what's the one thing a business can do to boost engagement? Um, so human leadership. And, and I think it's leaders that are open about their mistakes sets the tone from, from the top, I think is really important. What makes a good communicator, in your view? Um, somebody that's empathetic um, and, and can really sort of listen as well as, as well as speak. Which communicator, alive or dead, do you most admire? Nelson Mandela. Thank you very much, Tom. That's great. Really, really enjoyed that. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to hear more from Delete Delete Engage, including live updates and early access to each podcast episode, why not sign up to the newsletter at deletedeleteengage.substack.com.